Hey, it's your buddy Lewis here, and you are listening to the 10th episode of Challenging the Call. That's right, we in the double digits. Wimbledon has just wrapped. Game of Thrones has just begun, but I'm excited on this week's episode. I'll be sitting down with my friend, actor, comedic star, commercial star, uh, tennis player, and overall... Over- over overall good guy jb bowersfeld and we are hitting hollywood meets tennis let's go Welcome in to another episode of Challenging the Call. I have with me today the one and only JB. Uh, thanks for uh, appearing on the podcast. This is episode 10. Wow. We are, we are you made it to 10. We made it to 10. That's exciting. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, yeah. It's like a t- 10th anniversary yeah. uh, special guest. You know, yeah. you, you bring in the big guns, uh, <laughs> but you couldn't find them, so you, so you had to find me. <laughs> Hey man, you are uh, your tennis celebrity now after your feature in the um, the recent release of Gentleman's Fury. Yeah, yeah, a, a, your uh, first a, feature film appearance. It, it is. It is my first feature film, and um, I was very lucky that they needed someone who could do accents and could play tennis and not look like an idiot doing both. Uh, you know, maybe I did. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, just uh, it worked out well for me when I when I was. Uh, going through the casting process for sure. Cool, cool. Well, let's circle back on that. Uh, I first want to just um, go through maybe have you talk about your early experience in tennis, mm-hmm. how you were introduced to the sport, uh, and then kind of where you are today, sure. what, what your journey has been, because I think that's a lot of what people are interested in. Uh, right. Well, my uh, my tennis background didn't really come to full fruition until I almost turned 30. Um, I played a ton of sports growing up, um, you know, football, soccer, uh, basketball, track, all in high school, you know, even Little League Baseball. Um, And there was some tennis in there somewhere, sprinkled in there. You know, for a couple of years, I played some team tennis. My mom was my captain. That was a a good time. Um, But... uh, yeah, it wasn't ever the sport that really resonated with me mm. until um, right before I turned 30. My dad said uh, to me, hey, are you are you ready to start taking some lessons? You really, you know, you really uh, should give this a try. And he'd said that to me a couple of times before. And it just never was anything I wanted to do. But at that point in time, my basketball skills were starting to diminish a little <laughs> bit. And I was playing really <laughs> bad pickup ball at the Y. You know, yeah. it was I called it I called it hackball. Okay. Um, so I really wasn't having a lot of fun. It's kind of what I was doing because that's what I had been doing. And, um, you know, I remember playing a little bit as a kid and it was fun. I just wasn't any good at it. And so, uh, that's kind of the reason as a kid I stopped playing was because I was better at all these other sports and I didn't uh. want to, I didn't want to take the time to try and be good at this other sport while also sacrificing time with some of the other ones. Um, so yeah, uh, right before I turned 30, he got me like, lessons for Christmas and a racket for my birthday and um, it just kind of took off from there and um, I, I was really really raw um, still a really good athlete but uh, yeah you know, the strokes timing and everything oh the time oh god <laughs> what timing yeah. um, it was none of that 
Um, but you know, I kept I kept working at it, and it was fun to play this sport where I could get better at it and see a noticeable difference. Yeah. You know, you know, every three four months, just say, oh hey, I'm I'm playing better tennis. Whereas my basketball skills were going the other direction. And I'm, <laughs> You know, I'm, for example, I'm, I'm reaching in the lane. I think I've got a steal. My brain had that steal, but my body didn't quite react fast enough for it. Um, gotcha. You know, and also, you know, on the basketball court where you got, uh, you know, some of the best athletes in the world gravitate towards basketball. You know, I'm a decent athlete, six foot tall, 185 pounds or so, kind of quick, can jump kind of high. But I'm a mediocre athlete on the basketball court, whereas, you know, most tennis players, um, you know, it's it's a, it attracts a different kind of yeah, it's kind a of different person. Build and yeah, um, yeah. I'm like a giant on the tennis court at at, at, at my size. Um, so whereas I was always the shortest at our guy. level, yeah, right, right, yeah. exactly. Like for club players, yeah. for sure. Um, but there's one story I remember that was kind of the uh, beginning of the end of my childhood tennis career. Um, there's a kid by the name of uh, David Stoffer, and he was a year younger than me in school. And um, you know, when you're 10, 12 years old. A year makes a big difference in like maturity and um, strength yeah. and speed, um, but this kid, kick. Can I say, can I say, sure. after, uh, this yeah. kid kicked my ass <laughs> in the firecracker open at Topeka Country Club. He beat me six love, six love, oh, um, and you know I remember I was like I play this guy in basketball and I'm like way better than him, uh, and I said maybe tennis isn't the sport for me, <laughs> um, and it wasn't for a number of years, but uh, you know. Did circle back to it later in life, and uh, for the last, you know, six years and change, it's it's been the uh, the kind of the go to, and I always enjoyed watching tennis. You know, I've been a, a yeah. big Fed fan since the uh, early two thousand, since I was in college. Um, cool. But uh, yeah, we can get into that later. But yeah, that's that's kind of where that came from. It was something that was always on the back burner. Remembered it as a kid. But your dad played has been playing consistently, yeah. so that was kind of your. Right. We were he, always around the sport. Exactly. He played um, he played basketball until he was like competitive basketball until he was fifty and he oh, realized wow. what it did to his body and he said, uh, Hey, um, maybe you should <laughs> take up tennis like when you turn thirty. And so just kinda the timing worked out great that I wasn't having nearly as much fun playing basketball and um, you know, I've had a had a blast with tennis and that's moving cool. from Kansas to LA, you know, it's 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 hard when you're in a new place. The tennis community around here has been just oh. so clutch in, in and yeah. being able to find, you know, my footing as far as, uh, you know, find your tribe, so to speak. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's a really uh, cool experience for a lot of people who may be listening who don't aren't necessarily into tennis right now. But I don't think it's ever really too late to get into Absolutely. it. You know, um, it may be frustrating out of the gate, but I think you're right. If you dedicate time to it, mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen you improve like hand over fist since I even met you like what, a year ago or something? It's probably been a couple years now. A couple years. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, it is a sport that, like, you know, obviously it takes a certain degree of athleticism. Um, you don't have but, to be a great but you athlete. Don't, but, yeah, you That's don't. just the way I, I, I mesh my game with gotcha. my athleticism. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. But you, you see people out there who just have such great positioning and such great strokes, and, and they're crafty, and they don't yeah. have to move that much. That's true. Yeah, I've talked about that in the past and just – some people find this game that works for them that I, I see it and I'm like, that's a disaster. Mm -hmm. But then they beat me 0-0 and, and I'm just like scratching my head yeah. thinking like, yeah, but Back I have stroke production. Like, yeah, I'm like, I've been playing this game since I was five years old. I have like the ideal strokes, everything. Right. But um, hey, man, some people just figure out ways to win. Um, 
so that's cool, dude. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it, it's it's been fun, and, and that's one of the things I love the most about tennis is that there are just so many different ways to, to play it. Um, yeah, I um, I'm more of a serve and volley kind of guy, um, and so I I love the doubles. I've actually been playing a ton of doubles uh, since I moved out here. I played, you know, kind of fifty fifty back in Kansas, but out here. Um, I really enjoy it. I think maybe that's the team sport background part of yeah. it. You know, playing basketball and soccer and football. Um, I love the tactics of, of doubles and I love the mental aspect. You know, you've got this partner that you have, you have to, to sync with. Exactly. And, and yeah. if they're down, you know, you can bring them up and vice versa. And on the other side of the net, you know, you can play some of those mental games with the opponents, you know, and I'm not talking about like, you know, talking trash in a match, you know, at practice or during drills. I love talking trash, but, uh, you know, in a match, you know, there's just certain things you can do, like where you stand, how you set up, mm-hmm. um, the timing of things, um, you know, just to let them know that, Hey, this is, this is where we are. And I, I, I think I'm better than you and you're gonna have to prove it. Yeah. 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 It is interesting. And then like how you can attack one person over sure. the other, sure. you know, once you find that weakness, you just, keep attacking until you know, they figure out how to defend against it. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I had a similar experience coming out here and, like, you know, finding this whole tennis community. Um, right, was, you know, because you're, you're from Hawaii. Did I say that right? Yeah. There's, there's the W of V. Hawaii. 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 Okay. Well, yeah, In it's technically Hawaii. Oh, okay. The W is a V. Um, but... Hawaii is also acceptable, just not Hawaii. Just not Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of people make fun of me for saying it properly, but that's fine. Well, it's, I, you I know, know, it's the like the uh, you know, you hear the newscasters around here who are who are talking about uh, something, you know, and they've got their uh, you know they've got their American accent, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, something will come up, and they'll be. Uh, They'll, they'll pronounce it with like that the native accent and it's like uh, uh, Los Feliz or something yeah. like that. You know? yeah. Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Lewis, you know. Yeah. He's sitting here, he's talking, you know, he's like kind of got his his kind of, you know, low key. Yeah, you, you know, delivery suspect. and all of a sudden it's Hawaii. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm curious about. Um, how you got into actually sports broadcasting mm-hmm. and what your experience was like with that and like did you cover tennis like yeah um i don't know if you can just touch on that sure, a bit sure uh well sports broadcasting for me was like the next natural progression being an athlete uh through college uh, you know a division two athlete specifically you realize real quick um when you're a mediocre athlete um <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, you nobody's ain't taking that to the bank. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, whereas some of the best players in your conference are maybe going overseas, making some money in Europe or in Australia or wherever. Yeah. Um, I realized if I wanted to stay involved in sports, I was going to have to go another direction. And um, I'd always like the uh, uh, the performance side of things. And I was like, how can I do this? And so I kind of naturally gravitated towards acting and then. Uh, excuse me, towards uh, broadcasting, and then it wasn't until years later that I realized, oh, I, I can try and be an actor. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a perfect transition, if you will, um, after my playing career. Um, started out a, a local affiliate in Topeka, Kansas, called WIBW, and I was um, I was an intern there first in college, and then 
got a job as a photographer, uh, just doing news and kind of um, whenever they could use my help in the sports, I did that. And then I got promoted uh, reluctantly by my news director uh, to the weekend sports anchor. And then um, after I did that for a couple of years, I was the sports director. And so I was at the station for 10 years holding wow. three different jobs. And the last six were as a uh, uh, sports director. Um, so but, did that take you off camera or? No, it was, it was it on was... camera uh, still, you know, it's small market. So you've got uh, your sports directors also shooting video and editing and writing. And, you know, he's line producing his own show. Oh, okay. So it's, you kind of got to do it all at that level. Um, yeah. You know, I've had, I've had some friends who have made it to bigger markets, you know, Kansas City, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., uh, Denver and uh, and the like. But uh once they get to that point in time, you know, they don't have to put a camera on their shoulder anymore. But when you've only got you and one other person in your department, it's, um, you know, it's you're all set, hands on deck. You're setting up the tripod hitting report, record running yeah, out in yeah, front of it. We, we call that a one man band, <laughs> uh, you know, so you kind of get awesome. used to it. And, and the technology has, has advanced. Uh, even when I was there, we started tape to tape editing and then uh, moved to uh, nonlinear, which is you know basically the electronic editing. You, all the all the studios you use, you know, like your Avid, your yeah. um, Premiere Pros. We used a, a, a program called Edius, and it just made it so much easier. And even the cameras, um, you know, like you can see on your phone now, like your selfie cam, you could flip the uh, oh yeah, um, yeah yeah you could flip the, the viewfinder the, the viewfinder around and and kind of line up your Frame own up. shot and and you you know they could autofocus now, so it. it Made it a lot easier in year number uh, ten than it did in, in year number two, for sure. Gotcha. That's interesting. Um, so did you cover mostly local sports? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was okay. our emphasis. Um, we we covered uh, a lot of local high school stuff and um, college as well. Uh, KU, K State. Um, that's uh, University of Kansas, Kansas State University. Um, not one and the same. Uh, University of Kansas is in Lawrence. Um, Kansas State University is in Manhattan, Kansas, and then uh, Chiefs, Royals as well, Sporting Kansas City, and um, you know our bread and butter was like our Friday night football or basketball show during those seasons, and um, gotcha. you know like state tournament coverage we covered, uh, um, you know a lot of a lot of that. Whereas because you know, people aren't going to be able to get that anywhere else, they want you know Chiefs yeah. or whatever they could probably watch it on Sports Center. Or, Many other other various and sundry uh, outlets, especially as the technology progressed online, they would catch it. But um, the industry definitely changed in the ten years I was there, so our focus became more local. Um, Interesting. And we and I did cover some some tennis, and, and I think part of that is because I was a tennis player. Mm. Um, you know, naturally you, you you cover what you're passionate about, and um, we had some really good local tennis players um, at the high school and college level, and you know did some stories on them and. Uh, still follow some of those kids who are in college now. There's a, there's like this first family of young tennis players called the Hunters, and like every generation <laughs> has is like the next level up um, oh, at the wow. high school level. Yeah, so like the eldest sister, you know, qualified for um, state, and you know her name was Paige, and there was Blake, and uh, Blake like made it to state like every year and, and played in the finals like as a freshman, and then. There was Tommy, who was a couple years behind him, like was a freshman, he was a senior, and Tommy won four state championships. Oh, wow. And then there's Brooklyn, who's, uh, I think, going to be a junior next year. 
and she won state championships her first two years in tennis. Oh, and also in volleyball, she's won state championships, which is the same season, you know, in oh. Kansas. So, like, she's playing volleyball and tennis. What? Same season, winning state championships in both. So, it's really fun, you know, and there's uh, storylines abound with, with, yeah. with, you know, when you got a, that, that, that kind of a family. But uh, uh, great community, too, and they were always, you know, whereas some of the uh, other sports that get a lot of coverage – aren't quite as appreciative, you know, something like tennis, especially at the local level, they really appreciated it. Um, you know, and being a small town, smaller city, at least, uh, we were able to, um, to cover that. Whereas, you know, in, in Los Angeles, yeah, it's just so big. What do you, what do you do? You know, yeah. <laughs> you might, you might mention a Jack Sock type player yeah. after he wins his fourth state championship. And I actually watched his fourth state, fourth state championship. It was in my hometown of Topeka. Really? Uh huh. Yeah. He won his uh, fourth state championship at Costover Tennis Center. And I was there to watch him uh, do that. Cool. So you think any of these uh, hunters are going to go pro? Um, I'm not sure if they've got the game to go pro. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they become tennis pros, like like at the club level. They're gotcha. uh, um, really good know, D2 like, players. Like okay. uh, the, the eldest brother, is, is, uh, he stepped his game up since he got to college, and he was, uh, he's, I believe, he was uh, all-conference and maybe even all-American doubles player. Um, lefty kind of crafty but um yeah that i wouldn't be surprised if if tennis is is in their future as far as uh paying the bills in one way shape or form cool so yeah so you played a bunch of sports got into sports mm -hmm. broadcasting now you're out here in la pursuing the acting thing right. um how how did you uh hear about this film gentleman's fury like was it just a blind casting call did you know the director right. Um, what what kind of happened with that? Well, um, I remember seeing the um, uh, different roles being posted on LA Casting and Actors Access, which are uh, just casting websites that you can subscribe to and mm -hmm. and get the information. Um, and I remember seeing these, and I was like, "Oh man, they're looking." It's a comedy, which is is what I specialize in. They're looking for people with improv experience, which is what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, they're looking for accents which is something i didn't even realize as a 12 year old kid my brothers and i are quoting movies and you know doing stupid accents um that i was i was developing a skill set i could use later in my life and oh yeah it's also a tennis movie so they want guys who can look like they're top level tennis players so it just was kind of the perfect uh marriage and i'm here maybe a little over six months uh when i when i'm able to get cast in that role um as Rudy Nudio in Gentleman's Fury. <laughs> but I remember, I sub, like, rarely do I submit for more than one role for a show. You know, you kind of pick the one that you're, you think you're the best for, uh, um, and, you, and you, you go for that one. You know, they call it knowing your type. But for this one, I'd submitted for every single role. I, like, I'm sure the guy, uh, Ben Sharples, our director, was looking at, at his uh, inbox, go, this guy again? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, you can do an Italian accent and an Australian accent, whatever. Uh, but I remember I was very nervous because they hadn't finished the casting for the, uh, I believe there were five of us, five, six, seven of us. Um, anyway, uh, kind of the guys in Gentleman's Fury um, they hadn't finished that casting until they were already shooting some of the other stuff. And so I had a friend who was on my improv team who had shot her scenes already and she was wrapped. Um, oh, wow. she was, uh, like the fiance early in the movie. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, her name is Miranda Parham and she's hysterical, um, as Aaron's fiance. Um, but I'm like, Hey, uh, I've been talking to Ben. 
I think I might have an in here. Like, do me a favor and talk me up to this guy, you know, because yeah. uh, I really want to do this do this picture. And uh, she she made a call, and, and shortly thereafter, um, I kind of followed up. I was like, hey, you know, I know Miranda. You yeah, know, yeah. using any, any, any you can, you know, you know how this industry yeah. goes. It's like how this town works. It's who you if know. You find that in you just beat the door down right and sometimes that's what you have to do you know if you yeah. can't knock politely on the doors out here you gotta stick your foot in them or you know pick the lock sometimes and yeah that one i just stood outside <laughs> of doof, 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 for about uh two and a half weeks before i finally uh was able to get cast and um yeah yeah we shot for five days and uh it was in this hot warehouse in the uh, dead of summer uh with the heat of the summer dead of, dead of winter is what you th- what do you yeah. say what's, what's the hot part of the summer called oh man the hot uh, part of the, the summer hot part of the, yeah <laughs> um but yeah it was it was hot and sweaty and uh we had a blast uh but like we were saying earlier um you know that's kind of indie filmmaking is your first option for a location is at a tennis club but as expensive as it is to play tennis as a regular player and get yeah, one for court. an hour. Right. <laughs> Imagine trying to rent out everything on a low budget film, uh, you know, for five straight nights. And, it, you know, I believe it just became cost prohibitive. So, you know, we made do with what we had, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, were there any, like, funny stories that came out of this? I mean, I know indie filmmaking can be... Yeah, uh, an yeah. experience because yeah, you're you're shooting in this. I mean, most of it takes place in this warehouse, mm-hmm. um, and just for the uninitiated. Uh, yeah. So the story is this guy named Aaron. He's on the professional tour. He gets kicked off because he punches his opponent in the face, and then he eventually discovers kind of this underground tennis cult, and uh, hilarity ensues, and uh, death and destruction and <laughs> betrayal all all come after that. Um, but yeah, we're in the, in the fury and, and we're in the, uh, the warehouse most of the time. It's an acquired taste. If I, if I do say so myself, I watched the film yesterday. Right. And, uh, right. you got to realize it, what it is going into it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You have to realize it is just a comedy of errors, sort of, uh, balls to the walls kind of comedy where mm-hmm. it's it's a dark comedy and it's yeah. raunchy so you know, it is tell yeah. the kids to go to bed if you're gonna if you're gonna rent it yourself on vimeo but um yeah you're asking about interesting oh, yeah. stories uh there was one we were kind of choreographing this these fight scenes and um we had found this old mattress in this warehouse and i was like, oh, God. I was like what if i uh what if i like flipped onto this mattress like he comes and he like undercuts me with his racket or whatever and uh and um uh, the director and and, and uh, the co-directors, it was uh, Ben and his wife, Marissa, and they, they were kind of looking at each other and like, uh, you know, because... Yeah, what like, if you they have your it, neck? They have insurance, but they don't <laughs> yeah. want to have to file a claim for sure. And, uh, you know, I'm not hired as a stunt player, and if somebody gets yeah. hurt, you know, it's a SAG production, so I'm sure they're going to have hell to pay if, if I do get hurt. And um, so I remember Marissa was like, just be careful. And it's like, be careful as you're flipping your body yeah. upside down, you know? And, yeah. and, and like the ground were like these, it, it was, it wasn't like hard, hard concrete, but it was like kind of like concrete poured in the mix of like fiberglass. It was like a really whoa, interesting whoa. flooring. I'd never seen anything like it before. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a soft landing even on the mattress. <laughs> and like at about take 
eight. I was wondering if that was actually you or a stunt double. No, it was me. It was oh, me. Yeah, they, I don't think they could afford a stunt double. I, I was. It was all me, baby. Um, but uh, that, that's why I put stunt experience on my <laughs> resume now. Um, but yeah, I remember like the first take, kind of trying to get the timing and, and where it was. I bashed my foot. I missed the mattress long, and I kind of bashed oh, my foot, and yeah, it yeah. just made this huge thump. And like you could kind of hear the collective breaths yeah. of the other actors oh, and the and the crew just kind of go. <gasps> and luckily, um, it, it wasn't anything. Uh, you know, it's like you kind of take a digger, or you know, you get hit with a baseball, and they're like, "Don't rub it! Don't rub it!" Oh, I, I rubbed it. I rubbed the foot out, <laughs> and I was okay to do a few more takes. But um, they were like, "Yeah, it just kind of looks like you're." Through. So we had to figure out exactly like where the camera was so I could get the flip at the right time. And, gotcha. uh, you know, I think about take number 10, we were able to get it. And I was like, can we, uh, this seemed a lot more fun 25 minutes ago. Uh, yeah. But let's uh, just go with yeah. what we got. Yeah. So we, we figured it out and uh, it, it made it into the, um, the, the, oh, the trailer in and into the yeah. final cut. So I was, I was pleased that uh, yeah. my little boo-boo on my foot wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't in vain. Because that exactly. happens a lot. In movies, you oh yeah, you spend it hours on this one thing, and you sacrifice your body, and then all of a sudden it's cut. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm glad I made the final cut period because you know, I have friends who have shot uh, weeks on a film, and then all of a sudden their role just gets put in the trash. Yep, <laughs> that's movie making, though. Yeah, it's funny. I was on, um, I was working VFX on this film, and which film? Uh, it was called Truth. Okay. And at the end, there's a sequence where one of the characters is being... It looks like he's being fired, but in it was based on a real real event. So basically, they had a, a bit of um, legal uh, input on this because they didn't want to defame anyone or, you know, they didn't want to get sued that they weren't portraying the events as being accurate to what actually uh, happened. Okay. So this guy actually left the company... But in the final one of the final scenes, there's a slow mo walkout where he's being escorted by two guards, and they decided last minute that they needed these guards not to be in the shot, uh -huh. so as it not to look like he was being fired. And so my company actually painted out oh these two people. Oh my god! Like completely they erased them from the frame. They the didn't frame? have a take. They didn't have a take without, without the them. guards. Oh my god! And they wish they shot it in Australia, so there was no way that they were going to be able to recreate it. And so it it took like two or three weeks for us to just paint out these entire people. Oh so god. I was laughing the entire time because I'm just thinking of these extras or whatever, thinking that they're going to be in this shot for sure. They're going to be they're in like, this how shot. are they going to cut us out? There's they no way. We didn't even do a take without us. <laughs> There's no way. And then there's a way. They go and watch the movie, and they're not there. They uh, tell their parents. Yeah. It's like so excited. It's like, mom, I'm like in the final shot of this film. Yeah. No, you're not. So, yeah, I don't see you, Barry. Where yeah. are you? Where, where are you, Barry? Barry, we need to talk about yeah. this acting career. Yeah. Um, no, do you promise. need to come home with me and mom? Yeah. Huh, huh buddy, buddy, <laughs> buddy, buddy. Yeah. That, that's crazy that's like even worse than having your shots cut out yeah it's like they use your shot and they just paint you out they yeah. pay somebody thousands, pay somebody of, thousands of dollars to erase so they you from me don't have to use you again yeah yeah it's funny i had a not a, a similar experience but something you know kind of on that same uh line 
um, I, I did some uh, did a lot of background when I first moved out here, and um, now, that, now that the the season has slowed down and the commercials have kind of slowed down. Uh, I, I've kind of dipped my toe back into that pool. But one of the things I did uh, maybe two years ago was this show called uh, CSI Cyber that mm-hmm. um, I, I was like a photo guy. They just, just like a, a still photo unit and they took my picture and they used it. Um, and I had like full screen time, but they uh, had a voice recording. They didn't give me the opportunity to even audition for my own voice. They had wow. like another person do voiceover. And I, I figured out it's because it's actually cheaper to pay one person for their face and another person for their voice. Otherwise, you've got to pay like the SAG rate that you pay for um, any actor. Who yeah, has, uh, even like a, a line, co-star. Right? It's yeah, it's, you know, it's like upwards of seven hundred dollars and change. Versus, you know, they paid me, I was non-union at the time, so I'm working eight hours on minimum wage. And then the voiceover guy, you know, they can pay 500 or something dollars. I don't know exactly what the, the rate was at the time. Um, so, yeah, they were actually saving 100, 200 bucks by having two different people do it. And somebody was like, is that your voice? I was like, no, no, no I, I didn't even know that it was a line. They didn't even bother to tell me <laughs> Damn. until it came out. So, yeah, that's, that, that, that's, that's the way it works, though. Yeah, that's Hollywood for sure. Um, so while we're on the topic of uh, tennis and uh, Hollywood filmmaking, as you know, I'm in filmmaking. You are in filmmaking. I wanted to. I mean, I haven't been for the last couple months. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I applied to be a dog walker. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but I've always had this internal discussion with myself about, well, and I've also voiced some opinion, but about tennis and film and how I feel like there hasn't been a movie that's really captured the sport in a true manner. Um, and, and I'm not even sure if there's a, a movie that captures any sport in a true manner. Um, but especially tennis, I feel like it's, it's usually Wimbledon is the backdrop, mm-hmm. and it's usually some type of romance, mm-hmm. um, like the film Wimbledon, like the film Wimbledon, <laughs> uh, or Match Point, or uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, and I'm not saying that these movies were designed to, or even made to show tennis like that wasn't the goal right it was to tell, mm-hmm. it was a means of telling a story right right it's a, but it's a tool it's a tool um and then you have our backdrop yeah you have comedies like seven days in hell which was you know based around the whole john isner match i think um or the idea Mahur. Mahur, 70 to 68 in the fifth uh so i i I mean, what's what's your take? And we also have uh, two really intriguing movies about to be released mm-hmm. in um, Battle of the Sexes and uh, Borg, Borg, Ma- versus Borg versus McEnroe. Is uh, there a versus in there or is it just Borg McEnroe? I, I actually don't know. Okay. The Borg McEnroe movie. If you search that, you'll find it. Yeah. Um, but we actually watched the trailers right before mm-hmm. this and uh, two very different tones, I think. Battle of the sure. Sexes, obviously, social commentary and actually really pertinent with, um, you know, the recent discussion between McEnroe and Serena Williams and the whole debate. 
which which was overblown in my opinion. Yeah, heavily. Uh, but that is part of what that movie right. is talking sure. about is this comparison in sports, and that was back in a time where women weren't given equal prize money; they were not on an equal right. plane with men in general. Right. Um, and I think that was an event that happened that really sparked discussion. Right, and in most sport, it's still not the case that they're on an equal footing. I yeah. think you know, tennis is, is one of the few areas that has been progressive. And, exactly, you know, yeah. I think the fact that it's the TV audience is just as large for the women's game, if not larger, you know, with Venus and Serena, especially the last you know, decade and a half, um, you know, TV ratings drive prize money. Um, so, yeah, just my two cents on that subject. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that movie, I feel like, is going to... Battle of the Sexes? Battle of the Sexes. Let's talk about that movie first. Okay. Um, can we agree that there hasn't been a movie in the past that's really done the sport justice? Or do you right. have well, a different uh, opinion? And, on and I'll just put a button on um, how, how difficult, I think, it is to oh, portray yeah. any sport super accurately through... Um, film. Uh, I know Ben Sharple set out to make Gentleman's Fury with tennis players, for tennis players, um, but I think found out during the casting process, man, it's really hard to find really good actors who are really good tennis players, you know, who can pass as pros, and um, budgets came into, you know, that fray where, you know, you can't get an entire tennis court for five nights, so you're in a warehouse. Um, yeah. So, so those those are that, some of the the pitfalls in, yeah. in going into that. So, so I understand, um, and, and you need names to draw people to the box office. You look at Battle of the Sexes, and you have an Emma Stone playing Billie Jean King, and you have a Steve Carell um, playing Bobby Riggs. So you have that star power. Um, so I'm hoping that it can do what no other movie has done, really capture um, the allure around tennis. And I think maybe it's a little easier making it a period piece. Both of those films are period pieces. Um, but it's a catch-22, you know, uh, the strokes were a lot different back then. Yeah, um, people, people watching it now may not, well, at least a younger audience won't recognize th those strokes right. as, you know, current professional tennis. Well, that's what happens when you have rackets made out of wood <laughs> and strings made out of gut. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't just swing as hard as you possibly can and keep the ball on the court, but, yeah. um. To, to, to get back on the topic with what you, what you asked, I, I don't think there has been anything that's really captured it. And I'm hoping that, that one of these two movies uh, can do that. And uh, I like both of the actors in um, Battle of the Sexes. I don't know about either one of them if they're going to be able to capture the, the spirit. Because it's always, it's always like awkward cuts in sports movies. You, like, you see the face of one person. I just watched A League of Their Own yesterday. And I noticed that they don't show Gina Davis throwing the ball but one time. And it's kind yeah. of awkward. You're like, what? Um, you know, she can catch and she can she can swing the bat just fine. But it's like just really hard to do all those things well. Um, and I know Steve Carell's a tennis player. Um, I actually have chatted on set. I worked one day with his stunt double, his normal stunt double. And he was having trouble getting into the project, even though he's a tennis player, because they were so exacting on what they want on camera from these two players and from the other players that they're, they're bringing in. And, you know, obviously I haven't seen a script, so I don't know who the other players are, um, but they want it to be as accurate as possible toward that era of tennis. Um, and that's hard to find um, with people who are the appropriate age to play these parts 
you know, True. they came up playing tennis a certain way. Um, you know, the people who so they, had yeah. those strokes are now 30 years too old to play the part. So it's like, yeah, it's a real challenge. Um, yeah. And uh, he was having trouble getting into that project. And, uh, you know, I know I submitted my tennis reel and, and never heard back because of six, seven reasons that I never heard of, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure part of the reason was because I have strokes that are way more modern than what they're looking for for that, that role. At least that's what I'll tell myself. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sure that's accurate. And and to be fair, I don't I'm not holding that movie to the standard of really um showing the sport and like the true nature of the sport. I think it's it's commenting on the the gender mm-hmm. aspects of sport in general, but I don't I'm not expecting it to be a deep dive on the psychological um aspects of the sport and the training and the right like which brings us to Borg and McEnroe yeah, which, which is what looks I'm, like it aims to be that's that. what I'm thinking is that seems more along the lines of what I'm looking for personally in a tennis movie um, which is to show this kind of like battle royale type situation where it's the build-up to these matches and how the media shapes these um these players against each other and how they like deal with that and the fact that they're alone there on the court which i think i feel like no movie has really done justice to as far as how truly isolated you are um as a player stepping onto a court especially in a best three out of five set match i think that's why i like devils (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is yeah exactly and that's that's a fair point um but, you know, some of these movies, they just, they kind of, like, you're right, it's like these quick cuts, and they don't really show. Sure, fist pump, yeah. Yeah, and they don't the show how, how not grinding com- it is mentally. It's, it's the mental aspect. Yeah. And that's that's hard to portray. But even the um, construction of, of points, and I think, I don't know, maybe, I, I understand this is probably a very niche market, but to really show the... Uh, the thinking of a player like Federer or an Agassi or somebody who's really analyzing something during a match mm-hmm. to show that on film is something I would be very interested in. I think it's something that hasn't been done. Well, that's they, why you watch the tennis on the television, Lewis. Yeah, but you don't get <laughs> there. That's not showing the narr- the inner narrative right. of the players. Right. You're guessing as to what they're thinking sure. before a point. This this whole thing would be you want to hear like the inner monologues or the inner monologue exactly and you know what they're thinking of during a point are they thinking about their strategy or are they thinking about what they had for breakfast you know that type of thing and then what's the outcome of that point and how do you get over you know losing a set how do you deal with all the the twists and turns Mm -hmm. that come during a tennis match Right. Um, which, like most movies, it's they show them playing tennis. You understand that there's a match going on, and then you hear about the results, and then you deal with the after. You know, there's like the before and the after, but there's mm-hmm. never anything during the match. That's what I'm interested in. It's like this this void, right? So you have like this buildup where they're training, they're practicing. Okay. They're fi- you know, I'm sure like they're going to be talking about how the media hypes things mm-hmm. up, and you know how they what their pre-match rituals are and 
maybe they didn't get a good night's sleep before the match or something. There's all these like different things that can play a factor. You wake up, you have a crink in your neck. You know, how do you deal with that? Um, these are things that are easier to portray on film than sure. what actually happens between the lines. Yeah. Oh, obviously. Um, I would ask you, like, is there a prototype? Is there a sports movie that you have seen that has captured that for its individual sport? Like, you're looking for the any given Sunday of tennis, or you're looking for the Hoosiers mm. of tennis. Is there, like, a prototype that you can say, you can look to and say, I really think that, you know, this movie captured this sport in its entirety you know is it um is there something out there right now for you that's trying, like that maybe there is maybe I, i'm just not as big as a, of a film buff as i thought i was because i can't is it think blades of glory for ice skating with john Hader and will ferrell <laughs> that's a good comedy but uh Maybe there's a... I think it really captures the uh, the ins the, and outs of the <laughs> male and male tandem skating sport. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, is, is there something out there though, though like that? that? It sounds like you've been thinking about it. Is there anything that at least touches on that, that like gets to that point? I feel like maybe there's some hockey movies that maybe show the sport in a... In a... Miracle? Miracle on Ice, maybe, is close. Um, but like for basketball, football, I don't, I can't think of any. I mean, even is there like a a soccer movie out there? Uh, is, is there is like period? Is there a soccer movie? Period? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't think of any. So I'm sure. Yeah, uh, I assume there must Sylvester be. Stallone oh, well, made a, a soccer movie. About um, Pele, right? Like no, no. He like broke. He, he was a goalie, and he like broke his arm so he could get out of. I can't remember exactly what it's called. It was. It, I think it was back in the eighties. Um, uh, but yeah, there was a Pele movie. Um, I, I saw it, but it wasn't in English, and I didn't want to read subtitles that day. Gotcha. <laughs> Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Moneyball. Moneyball and baseball. Oh yes, great yes. film about baseball and and talking about yeah that's a really good one um with both sides of the coin if you will mm. you know the on the field stuff is really well done and the uh locker room stuff um i i loved hoosiers i don't know if it captures basketball necessarily um it to me captured kind of the small town obsession with sport um so it captured yeah. an element of it but i don't mm. know if it <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know if it really captured that uh, that battle on the court, um, with with as dramatic as it is, and as little as I believed Al Pacino as a football coach, I I really liked Any Given Sunday um, because it it captured I think that locker room dynamic maybe better than anything else. Um, yeah, you've got you've got all these egos, and how do you fit them together uh, when you're paying everybody millions and millions of dollars and um, so I thought that was, that was really interesting. Um, you know, it definitely Ol had Oliver Stone impact. definitely put his dramatic touch on it and, and it's a little over the top, but, uh, I yeah, think but it had for an what impact. It, you walked out right. of it, like feeling that sport, like right. all the dynamics that go into it. Right. Maybe think... speaking of Oliver Stone, maybe, maybe gladiator for what it did to <laughs> murderous gladiator fights. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not sure if there's 
that movie that captures that internal struggle of like what a tennis player goes through. I'm not sure if any sport has really been captured that well on a film. Well, maybe tennis could be an the opportunity. One. Right. <laughs> All right, we found our niche. We uh, in in completely unrelated news, Lewis and I have just decided to make a tennis film talking about the inner struggles on the court during a point. Look for it in late 2072. Yeah. Um. <laughs> right. It's about right. Speaking of inner struggles, can, can I mention what we've got going on in the background over here? Yeah, sure. It's Manic Monday, and we're watching uh, Muller and Nadal at 8-all in the fifth set. And these guys, like, just watching the reactions and how big every single point is... Um, kind of speaks volumes you know the body language in between the points Muller just double faulted and you know last yeah. service game he was down uh break points and, and came up with with like a big ace and you know Nadal is like the ultimate competitor so that is as close I think as you're going to find to what you were talking about earlier yeah it's just missing that cinematic dialogue that, that touch you, that touch that you would find um, where you could really, ooh, there we go. That thing, um, that thing that would make non-tennis players come to the cinema. Yes, the thing I that's going to make the family come out. I think so. Um, it's not human element. The human element, and and just how the sport breaks you down in a way to like your purest state, almost like you have one goal, you have one object and how you're going to solve this problem of your opponent on the other side of the net and nobody's coming to help you right and you know you're dealing with um basically like whatever conditions there are that happen to you know sometimes they have to leave and come back the next mm -hmm. day because it, like they could run out of light right now mm -hmm. and so how do you deal with that there's just a lot of different things in a tennis match that i, I think don't get talked about um, and and aren't portrayed in in a way that's really, I haven't walked out of a tennis film feeling impacted. I guess I would say like sure, I it has no tennis movie has taught me anything or showed me some side of like human emotion that like I hadn't seen before or portrayed in that way. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see what these two movies coming up do um you looking forward to one more than the other yes i'm looking forward to borg McEnroe. okay um although i think battle of sexes is going to be an important film right. and i'm excited that tennis is going to be in the discussion i just think it's not particularly what i'm looking for you think you think that the more inside tennis movie is going to be borg McEnroe? yes okay i can see I, that for sure I'm assuming, and I and I think I've I've watched some documentaries and stuff about their rivalry and kind of their different attacks or different backgrounds in the sport, which I think is going to be this interesting like yin and yang um, right. type thing. So I I'm interested to see what kind of creative things will come out of that and how they're going to portray. It. And it looks like it's shot beautifully. That's the thing we both agreed on. Yeah, it looks just spectacular um if you haven't seen it check out the trailer um but yeah battle of the sexes looks assuming you have the internet you can you can just google that and find it on the internet right yeah that's how i live my life now <laughs> assuming so everyone lives right their life. right 
they probably have the internet if they're listening to this podcast. I hope so. Um, cool. Well, I think what how how far? Well, I'll ask you as you're checking checking in with your time. Yeah. Um, what yeah, is your okay? What, what is your favorite um, movie? You know, non sports sports like period. Like, is there a movie that you just absolutely love, or you know, that you saw as a kid that nothing has surpassed? Man. I'll tell you, for me, it's Braveheart. And I, I look really? back at Braveheart, and it's, you know, 20-odd years old now. Um, and revisionist history has everybody look at Mel Gibson in a different manner now, uh, which I certainly understand. But, like, for sheer cinematic fun, I just, I love um, the music. I thought James Horner uh, soundtrack just, like, captured me emotionally. Um, the acting was spectacular. Um, and... Uh, obviously the action was, was phenomenal. So like just on an epic scale, Braveheart is, is still one of those movies that, that I, I could watch any day. Any time. Mm-hmm. That and coming to America as far as comedies go. That, that, that comedy has, has Good aged Good morning, well. my neighbors. Yes. <laughs> yes. Imagine a country so free, one can throw its garbage directly onto the street. That, that, that movie, I, I quoted that with a friend. Uh, a friend and I went to Europe recently, um, actually went to the uh, qualifying round of the French Open. And I started quoting that movie, and she's like, I don't know this movie. I was like, sure you do. And I kept quoting it, and I was like, uh, I was like uh, this is beautiful. What is that, velvet? Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm just like throwing out uh, all, these, all these great quotes from this, this, this uh, movie. You know, My son works! And she's like, no. I was like, you've never seen Coming to America. Uh, so she did text me though. She righted that wrong a couple weeks after we okay. got back, and 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 told told me she loves it. Good. Mama named Clay. Yeah. I'm gonna call him Clay. Uh, that's that's a, that's a classic comedy. Um, as far as me like defining movies, man, I I struggled to think of one honestly. Um, I think my I, I like to mention this movie as a, as a comedy that I feel like is underrated and I think everybody should watch is The Other Guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mark Wahlberg uh, and Will Ferrell. Right. Michael Keaton. Uh, the Rock. Michael Keaton. Uh, Michael Keaton's trying to be like the tough... Um, he's like trying to be the tough... Police captain. Police captain. And he's, but, and he's like really kind of a pushover though, right? <laughs> Isn't that it? Well, yeah. He works... He has two jobs. He's the... Police captain, he works at Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that movie is one I can watch all day, every okay. day, no For problem. Sure. Um, so that that's kind of my jam. Uh, but I don't know. There, most movies fade to me. Uh, it's it's interesting because I. As much as I loved film growing up, I wasn't that involved in it, and I didn't really watch movies that much. The the, the closest theater was an hour away from my house. Well, that's what happens when you grow up in Hawaii. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we didn't really have TV growing up. I never watched TV. Uh, we didn't like, We lived very different lives. We lived very, we lived very yeah. different childhoods, Lewis. As I, you know, as I entered the workforce here and... Uh, and you know, t- in talking with my coworkers, I realized my childhood is nothing like anybody I mm-hmm. I encounter, mm-hmm. which is great, which is fine. You know, I'm kind of this unicorn um, in this industry because a lot of them, you know, oh, they watched everything. They watched all these TV shows, all these movies growing up. I didn't watch any of that. Right. Um, 
and so I was just introduced to film a little bit later. Um, I was always interested in the craft, but I guess yeah, I just did. I wasn't tapped into pulp culture living in a right. small town in Hawaii. Um, my parents were not big on film. They didn't. We didn't have like family movie nights, or that wasn't a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know, I I did love going to the theater when I had a chance. Um, but so yeah, I I think I, I just enjoy movies of all kinds and. Um, I'm just like kind of just a fan of the art and and I think you know there there's always a movie like every year now that I'll like attach to or right. really feel like okay this is this is the, the true form um, but yeah not not like one overarching movie really okay I got, I got one more for you I know this is your podcast but I think the the journalist, the journalist in me has to ask questions. I, it's all right. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Yeah. Uh, okay. If somebody's if somebody's gonna play uh, play you, um, as Siri says on my phone, Louis Polak. <laughs> if somebody's gonna play you in a film, who is it gonna be? If you could pick any actor, somebody's gonna um, obviously Channing Tatum. Okay. Why is that obviously Channing Tatum? <laughs> I don't know. That was just the first name I thought of. Oh, okay. Have you seen his forehand? No, I haven't. Oh, I don't. I don't know. Um, so he doesn't have a tap dance. A, for... Is this in a tennis film? A, a movie about your life. I feel like there'd have to be some tennis in there somewhere. That's true. There'd have to be like a tennis um, scene, uh, or maybe like childhood uh, Lewis getting yelled at by his dad, <laughs> something like that. Uh gosh, I don't, I don't know. Channing Tatum, I, it is. I, I guess it's Channing. I mean, we, we could teach no. him. We could teach him your your forehand. I mean, I would love it to be like Brad Pitt or somebody, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I wonder who. I don't know who I'm most. I would be most compared to. Right. Like, well, you, if it was Channing a, Tatum, wouldn't there have to be like the issue, like the Hollywood issue of whitewashing now? What? Why? <laughs> right, because you're from Hawaii. Yeah, but I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> but still, people would throw a fit because it's outrage culture, Lewis. No, but I, I don't have any Hawaiian in me. Not like that Emma Stone Aloha movie yeah. where she was playing a part Hawaiian person. I, yeah, I get it. I yeah. get it. Um, well, I'm from Kansas, so uh, naturally I would love to be played by a Brit in uh, Christian Bale. Oh, because that is a good one. Uh, I, I, we're about the same size. He's, I think he's like nine or ten years older than me, um, but we're almost exactly the same size. Like his walk around weight, not when he gets down for the machinist or like up for Batman. Um, I don't, I don't know if uh, I could if he's a tennis player that. either. But yeah. uh, I, I actually <laughs> emulated him a couple years in a row for Halloween. Um, I did uh, Patrick Bateman from. Um, American Psycho, and uh, my first month in Los Angeles, I won a costume contest <laughs> for my wow. portrayal of Patrick Bateman. I had the business cards printed out and everything, like the axe and the rain slicker, fake blood all over. So it was, it was, you know, it was uh, right, probably you know, my best uh, Halloween costume of all time because I do bear somewhat of a resemblance to Christian Bale. So um, there you go. Cool. Well, um, I guess, dude, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up, hopefully keep it around an hour. 
Um, so yeah, everybody check out uh, Gentleman's Fury if you have a moment. It's on Vimeo On Demand. Five bucks to rent it. Uh, definitely not one for the kids, but uh, <laughs> check it out. It's a, it's an interesting flick. Uh, not sure whether it really captures tennis, but it's uh, it, it's a tennis. It's fun. It, 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 yeah. There there is there is tennis in the movie. There and there's actually some really good tennis points. Some of the best the tennis beginning. points you'll ever see on film happen in the uh, in the opening scenes. Um, and uh, yeah, those those are those are really really well done. Um, so yeah, and then um, I don't know, JB, you got anything else coming up? Uh, I wish I did. Uh, <laughs> try and find auditions. That was funny. I was I was back in if Kansas. You're hiring. JB right. is available. Yeah. My schedule is uh, open availability, as they say. Uh, no, I was back in Kansas, and you know I've, I've had a lot of success uh, in the commercial game uh, the last year. Had the uh, KFC spots. And oh yeah, then... you may have seen uh, JB getting his ass slapped by uh, Rob Riggle in KFC football yeah, ad. Yeah, that was me. Uh, I played the quarterback for the um, real air quotes real football team, uh, the Kentucky Buckets. So I, th- <laughs> I think I had three of those that aired, and then I was. Uh, I was the nobleman in uh, a Southwest commercial where I uh, delivered a, a glass of champagne to an Afghan hound. Um, but oh, yeah, really? th- those made my year. Um, but I guess I've always been able to say like the last couple of years, I was like, yeah, I got this uh, I got this tennis movie. It's a dark comedy. It's coming out. Well, now that it's come out, I don't really have anything <laughs> on the horizon. Uh, so people are like, what's next for you? I was like, yeah. um, get back to town and call my agent and try and get an audition. I don't, I don't know. So um, it's, it's both, exciting and terrifying at the same time um but i knew that was gonna be the case when i moved out here so uh well at least you're on the podcast we'll find it yeah and you haven't taken i i I have to say i was a little afraid to have you on because i figured you may take it over i feel like (laughs) i feel like you're being awful kind in saying that like the first question you asked me it had to have been at least a three minute response asking me about my tennis background but oh uh, no it's great uh i I think it's been really fun have you on um look up jb on uh what's your handles or whatever um yeah my uh my instagram and my um twitter are both jb bowersfeld and um that is b-a-u-e-r-s-f-e-l-d no i no field um i'm sure it'll probably say that somewhere on your uh yeah i'll post podcast my name is probably visible on your device right now but yeah, just uh, no dots, no spaces, just JB Bowersfeld. And, uh, you know, tweet me and tag me. And, uh, yeah, we'll what, chat. What's our secret hashtag this week? Since apparently this is what we're doing now. Oh, we have. Uh, for, for if you've made it this far, oh, tweet us this. Um, secret hashtag. Let's go. Um, let's go. Um, hashtag. What do we talk about? Let's go. Hashtag. Hunter family. Hashtag okay. Hunter family. Because we, talk, okay. we, we talked about the Hunter family yeah. back in Topeka. All right. Um, the, my, one of my there favorite tennis families. So if you make it this far, hashtag Hunter family. All right. We'll know you're a true fan. Thanks again for listening. Uh, this has been another episode of Challenging the Call. Signing off from Burbank. And uh, have a great week, guys. Thanks for having me on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.